Welcome to the show. It is Trick Tuesday here on Acknowledged Dogs. I am your host, Michael, owner and head trainer of Matador Canine. Every Tuesday, we break down a trick just for you, helping you reach your goals with your dog a lot faster by simplifying those complex behaviors. Let's jump into it. All right, welcome to the show. For those of you that listened last week, I wonder how your balance beam training is going. We went over how to teach the balance beam on last Trick Tuesday. So if anybody is practicing that, send that to me, social media. You can email me. I just want to see how you're doing, see how everyone's progressing. Today, we are talking about teaching speak, or the bark on cue, to get your dog to alert if somebody comes into the house, right? This is a tough one for many people. Many people don't want to go this route because they think their dog's going to bark more. And if their dog already barks, why would they start reinforcing it? Their dog's just going to bark even more. And oh my goodness, right? Now, I've had several dogs as a a, a professional trainer. I'm consulting somebody. And we're trying to get them to quiet down and, and relax. And they just keep barking and barking and barking. And eventually, I'll say to them, hey, why don't we put the bark on stimulus control? We'll just teach them the bark and then we're not going to use it. We're not going to give them the cue to use it. And some people are very hesitant. They're like, ah, man, I don't know. I don't want to do that. What's going to happen? And I usually tell them, listen, you already don't like the barking. All that's going to happen is they might bark 5% more for a little bit. And if we do this right and you're consistent, then they're going to stop barking altogether, which happened each time. But it, it, it's almost comical. It's like, your dog's already barking. They're not going to bark that much more. Let's just let's just try it. Let's see if it works for your dog. If it, if it doesn't work, eh, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's something wrong if it doesn't work. But it should work, right? Stimulus control tells our dogs they're allowed to do something when we ask, only when we ask. They don't do something else when we ask for it. And when we ask for something else, they shouldn't do that thing. So as long as you teach good, solid stimulus control then your dog should never bark unless you ask for the cue. But how do, how do you teach bark in the first place? Okay, Some dogs bark very naturally. right? You hold a ball for 30 seconds and they're like, bark, 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 and they really want the ball, and then you would just reward them for that. right? If your dog's barking when you're playing fetch, that's probably what you're doing. Whether you realize it or not, you're rewarding your dog for barking coincidentally. Okay, they They then start to believe that barking is the answer whenever they want something. And then it translates to everything else. But what happens if your dog doesn't bark and you want them to bark? Well, I'll tell you right now, that was my first dog. She did not want to bark at all. She never made a sound. It was beautiful. (laughs) It was beautiful. And what we decided to do was try to teach her to howl. It was right around the time when on social media, I think this was back during Vine, No, that would have been too short. I guess Instagram. Um, People were posting videos of them and their dog saying, I love you. I think think it was the classic Husky was saying, I love you. And so my family wanted to teach our dog that just because we thought it was cute and it was funny. And so we just practiced howling with the dog every single day. Eventually, because there were multiple people howling, my dog joined in. We just marked and reward whenever it joined in. We tried this over and over and over again. 
And then she just became more vocal, realizing that that's a means of getting reinforcement. So we marked that. And then we decided to add a cue to it and go through the whole process, which we'll go over in a minute. But that's one way. You could howl with your dog and get other people to encourage your dog. Right? The more people in a scenario, the more exciting everything is in general. And maybe your dog will feel more comfortable trying something new. Who knows? The other thing is frustration. Kind of mentioned it a little bit before, where you have a tennis ball or food or frisbee or going outside, whatever it may be. You frustrate the dog just a little bit, okay? And they start to go into an extinction burst. What was working before is now no longer working. And so they have to try in a um, more intense version of whatever they were doing. So if they were doing a sit and you don't let them out the door, right? You've taught them sit, I'll let you out the door. And you haven't worked on duration. Let's say 30 seconds go by, right? It appears as though they're getting frustrated and they want to go outside. Really, it's just the extinction burst. They tried the thing that worked before. It's no longer working. And they go, okay, before I give up, I'm going to try something at the next level. So maybe they bark. When they bark, you'd mark a reward. You do the same thing with a tennis ball. You throw the tennis ball consistently over and over. And before they stop playing with you out of you know boredom or being tired or whatever it is, you would just hold the ball and kind of tease them. So maybe you would half throw it like a fake throw. Then they would turn around and be like, what the hell? Where's the ball? And then you do it again. And then you do it again. And you, you keep doing that until they're like, just throw the damn ball. <laughs> right? Because every time they turn around to go get it, nothing's there. So they stop, they stop trying the going and getting it behavior. Because it's not going to be there. It's not getting reinforced. So then they bark at you, like throw the damn thing. You end up throwing it. And then they get reinforced for barking. So you frustrate them a little bit, and then you reward them for acting basically inappropriate. Okay. You can also do this with just a clicker and a walk, let's say. So you go for a walk, your dog sees a person, okay, or another dog, whatever it is, and your dog reacts. Let's say they bark once. The second they bark, mark and reward. If you've done a good job of conditioning that reinforcer and you have a preferred reinforcement, you've done a preference test, you're, you know what your dog wants, especially in high distracting environments like that, then it's super simple. They turn around, they get their treat, and they're like, oh, okay. So then next time they see that person, they go to bark, you mark a reward. Now, you're going to be saying to yourself, well, Michael, why would I do that? I'm going to be teaching my dog to bark at people. Momentarily, yes, you are teaching that. See the person, see the dog, bark. However, we talk about reactivity uh, in another podcast, and if it's not mm, in the last two weeks, I'll probably end up doing another one. We talk about reactivity all the time because it's such a big topic for so many individuals. So... It's not that they're going to be barking at this new trigger over and over and over again. But we need to switch their brain from barking at that thing to now even considering us. Right? And when you've conditioned a dog to see the trigger and expect a treat, one, through classical conditioning, you're changing their perception of that trigger. Two, when they look at the trigger and they don't get a treat right away, they're going to look at you like, what the hell, where's my treat? And that's when you would mark a reward teaching them to look towards you 
instead of the stimulus or the trigger. So you mark a reward for the bark, everything's going to be fine, don't worry about it. Now what do you do? Your timing has to be appropriate here. Okay, and this also goes into stimulus control. Those are our three things today, by the way. Right? You got teaching, you got timing, and then you got the stimulus control. So timing is if you are marking and rewarding for the start of the bark or the end of the bark. Okay, and this 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 is very finicky. If you are marking and rewarding for the start of the bark your dog's bark is going to increase because we're rewarding for basically the movement of the bark so your dog's gonna go oh it's the starting in the bark that's good if you catch your dog on the back end and they're calming down after the bark then they're gonna do that more right Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Welcome back. You are listening to Acknowledge Dogs. We're talking about teaching the bark. And we're talking about marking and rewarding for the beginning and the end of the bark. If we mark and reward for the beginning, our dog is more likely to do the behavior. If we mark and reward for the end of the bark our dog is going to slowly decrease the amount of barking that they're doing. So when we're trying to teach a bark, we want to catch them as they're almost breathing in to bark. Okay, because they're still going to let out the bark, and by the time they registered and got the treatment and everything like that, um, we're marking for the actual bark itself. Super, super, super important to mark the beginning of behaviors, not just the end, or not just the completion of the behavior. So now, timing-wise, we get into stimulus control. So what happens when, now we've got the behavior, we like the behavior, as with anything, we teach the behavior first, now we start to add in the cue, okay? How do we do that? What we're gonna do with the bark is we're going to have them bark, whatever trigger it is, whatever, whatever you do, they're gonna bark, we're gonna mark a reward, and then before, this is important, after they finish the reward and before they bark again, Add the cue. That's it. Sounds so simple, yet nobody does it. Before they bark again, after they finish the treat, mark a reward. Or brought the ball back, whatever you want to say. So the sequence, and we've talked I think I talked about it last week. Antecedent behavior consequence, ABC, super simple. If you break that chain, you're not going to have a dog that responds appropriately. You are working out of the sequence. They are not going to learn as quickly. You need to work in that sequence. It's the only way a dog understands. So you say the cue, they do it, immediately mark a reward. Whether it's a full bark, whether it's a huff, whatever the hell it is, you mark a reward immediately. After the cookie, 
before they bark again, add the cue in. Now, at this point, we're marking and rewarding for the response to the cue, not the behavior. So the second you give the cue, and they start to respond, right? And you should be studying your dog this whole time. You should realize what their precursor is. Do they look to the left and then bark? Do they breathe in and bark? Do they lift their head up and bark downward? Do they go down and bark upward, right? What is their precursor? And you can take a video of them and study it so that you have good timing. So that when you say the word, they immediately do the behavior. And they can get reinforced for immediately starting the behavior. That's the tough part. And everybody just waits until the end of the behavior. Oh, you got you to gotta get it in the beginning. If you get it in the beginning, your dog's much more likely to start the behavior sooner. And I always like snappy, reliable dogs. Where they hear the cute, boom, they are in the position, they are done, they got it, no problem. So now let's troubleshoot the behavior, right? Let's say, right, so now your dog's not doing the behavior when you ask. Let's start there. Dog's not doing the behavior when you ask. It's just doing it haphazardly. Well, you gotta go back and you gotta reteach the cue. This goes with any behavior, actually, okay? If I were to say sit and my dog doesn't sit, there's clearly a problem. There's the, we, we, we have not made either a strong enough connection to responding to the cue, or we haven't made a connection to the cue at all. So we gotta go back, we gotta reevaluate, we gotta see what's going on in our training, what's, what's the problem, right? Are we switching from rewarding our dog in a sit to now punishing them in a sit? And now they don't know whether they should even do the sit because they don't know whether they're going to get reinforced or punished, so now they're confused, right? That sometimes happens. Are they offering up a new behavior that we just learned whenever we say the sit? Because that means, number one, they really don't know the sit. And number two, they're guessing. I don't want a dog guessing. If they're guessing, that's going to be a problem. What happens if we're out in a field and I recall them and they decide to lay down? Or worse, I tell them to lay down for an emergency and they decide to recall to me. That's a problem. A dog's got to do exactly what we tell them to do and we are responsible for teaching them that skill. So now let's say your dog's barking at everything all the time because that's what's got reinforced. Again, it goes back to stimulus control. How do we teach stimulus control? We have to teach them that when we say the cue and you respond, you get reinforcement. Any other time, you get nothing. Now, this is how you can quicken the process, okay? Because basically that, what I just said, relies on extinction, right? So if I tell my dog to sit and they sit, good, they get a marker reward. If they sit any other time, they get nothing. Like I'm just not gonna give them anything. But that also kind of puts our dog in a intermittent or variable reward schedule, depending on how many times they sit naturally and how many times we ask them to sit. So I don't want to do that, right? Because the, the offering up the behavior for them might get an opportunity for reinforcement unless they've learned that that word is the only variable that stays consistent to them getting reinforcement for the sit. So what we can do is actually reinforce our dogs for not sitting when we don't say sit. Or in this case, speak, let's use speak. So I say speak, my dog, then starts to bark, mark, reward. Then before he does anything, I don't say anything, and I mark a reward. And he goes, huh, weird. Then I say, speak, and I wait for him to respond. He then responds, mark and reward. 
then nothing happens. Mark or reward. Speak. Mark or reward. See what I'm doing? I'm teaching him through positive reinforcement when it's okay to speak and when it's not okay to speak. There's no corrections involved. Right? And in fact, he's getting more treats for not responding when I don't tell him to respond. Now, you can you could extend this. You can build duration on this. So you'd say speak. The second they speak, mark and reward. And then when they're done with the cookie, one, two, three, mark and reward. Speak, mark and reward. One, two, three, four, five, mark and reward. Speak, mark and reward. And we just keep building and building and building and building and building. And that's how you get a dog to speak when you tell them to speak and to not speak when you tell them not to speak. Or rather, when you don't tell them to speak. It's a very good skill to get into, to practice that over and over and over and over and over again. That is how you know a dog actually knows the word and is responding quickly and appropriately to the word you've taught them. Or to the cue you've taught them, right? Once you've done that, now we got to work on variable reward schedule, intermittent reward schedules. you got to start working on different environments, especially if you want this to be an uh, alert sound, right? So if you're going to be doing uh, protection sport or something like that, then you're going to want to do this in all these different places. Always, always, always go back to teaching the behavior first. Then I'm going to add the cue in. Once I've added the cue, how can I teach my dog not to respond when I don't give the cue? Then, how can I sharpen up this behavior? How can I wean them off of treats or toys, whatever it may be? And then finally, how can I do this in so many environments that my dog will do it reliably every time I ask, no matter where we are or under what condition, and whether I have treats or not? That should be your criteria for everything. How can I get my dog to do this? How can I add in the cue? How can I then implement this in any environment under any condition? Right? It could be raining. doesn't matter. Dog will do it. Any environment under any condition, reliably, consistently, without the need for a cue. I'm sorry. Without the need for reinforcement. That should be your end criteria for every single behavior. Every behavior. Every behavior should be able to be asked for without treats in any environment under any condition. It's just a fact. Because you never know when that skill will come in handy, and you never know when that skill will be necessary to save that dog's life. I know it sounds crazy. When could bark save my dog's life? I guarantee you, I could, you, know, you could think of a scenario where you're asleep, and your dog's laying with you, and you hear somebody break into the house. What's going to be better? You grabbing a flashlight and a bat and walking through the hallway all tactical and wait until you meet this guy? Or have your dog bark on command? I guarantee the guy breaking into your house is going to be more scared of a dog, in most cases, than you with a flashlight and a bat. So, teach your dogs to bark, and then when someone breaks in, test it out for me. <laughs> right? Have your dog bark when somebody walks into the house. Let's see what happens. They're going to they're gonna jump for a second. If not, leave the house. Right? Same thought process. My dog knows speak to what's that? They go, what's that? And he'll bark. What's that? He'll bark. So 
my initial response when I wake up in the morning and someone, you know, were to break into my house, I go, what the hell is that? So I just ask my dog, what's that? And he'll bark. And he's got a, a thick, deep bark, even though he's a tiny looking dog. So somebody's going to hear that. And then they're going to see my other dog, my Great Dane Border Collie, and he's going to bark. He has a wincy bark, though, even though he's bigger. And so, again, I'm, I'm using my tools without putting anybody at harm, using auditory signals to the burglar to get the hell out of my house. What else could you use bark for? You could use it for going to the bathroom. Some people really like that for some reason. I don't like it personally for my dogs. I have my dogs on the schedule. They go out when I take them out. But some people like to have a dog that tells them when they got to go to the bathroom. So you teach your dog to bark. You say your bark cue, and then you go outside and go to the bathroom. Then you come back in. Bark cue, take them outside, have them go to the bathroom, bring them back in. Bark cue, take them outside, go in. And you do that over and over and over. Then you don't ask for the bark when you take them outside for a regular walk. It's a different routine. And so dogs will start to pair together. Okay, barking means we go to the bathroom. No barking means we go for a walk. Now, if I bark, we're definitely going to my bathroom spot. Right? It's got to be structured. You can't just then go for a walk that's very similar to the walk behavior. Right? you got to actually go to the bathroom. The dog's got to go to the bathroom. And if they don't go to the bathroom, then you bring them back inside the house. Then they learn that barking will only result in going to the bathroom. That is it. Nothing else. They will not get to go run around. They will not get to go see their friend. Barking means I go to the bathroom and then I come back. That's it. So I'm not going to bark unless I have to go to the bathroom. Because there's no point in getting the leash on, going literally outside for three minutes, and then coming back in. you got to structure that, though. You have to structure that. And then anytime they don't bark, take them out for a walk. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador Canine. You can also head over to Matador Canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors. Reach the goals that you want and have the dog that always listens.